Hello and welcome to another episode of Cracking Addiction. My name is Philippe Naren and I'm joined as always by Fergal Armstrong. Fergal, good to have you on the show yet again. Great to be here yet again, Philippe. How are you? I'm well, thank you. And on this episode of Cracking Addiction, we're going to be talking about opioid medications and over the next series of episodes, we'll be taking a deep dive into opioids, opioid use disorder, opioid substitution therapy, and all things opioids. So it's going to be a pretty exciting set of series of episodes. So on that note, I think we should start off by introducing what opioid medications are and what opioids are. Um, So Fergal, opioids are usually medications or drugs that act on opioid receptors in the central nervous system. And usually there's the three main opioid receptors, the mu receptor, the kappa receptor, and the delta receptor. But what more should we know about opioids and and the actions that they uh, perform? Well, I always like to start off by understanding the difference between opiate and opioid. So we know that an opioid, sorry, we know that an opiate is an organic derivative of opium. And the prototypical opiate uh, was morphine. And you know, from that, we know that morphine acts on mu receptors. And so then we moved into the realm of pharmacology and we find that we could synthesize molecules that also acted on the mu receptor, but which were not directly derived from opium. So we called those molecules opioids. So opiates are derivatives of opium from the opium poppy, and opioid is any molecule that interacts with a mu receptor. So that's point number one. And when we think about the classification of opioids, there are, there are many kinds of opioids, there are many types of classifications. So I like to think of a, of a, of a kind of a mixed classification. This is, this is the classification that comes off the top of my head. So I think about the phenanthrines, I think about the phenylpiperidines, I think about the phenylheptylamines, then I think about the atypical opioids. That's just one way of thinking about it. It doesn't necessarily capture all of the various types of opioids, but it captures enough of the opioids for me to to be comfortable using that system of classification, certainly within Australia. So if we look at the phenanthrines, so we know that morphine, codeine, and buprenorphine are all phenanthrines. But we also know that there are derivatives of morphine and codeine that are also phenanthrines. So we have a derivative of codeine, oxycodone, that is a phenanthrine, and we have a derivative of morphine that is used in Australian practice, hydromorphone, that is a phenanthrine. And then the phenylpiperidines, we have uh, pethidine and fentanyl and all of the fentanyl derivatives, and the phenylheptylamines, primarily we have methadone. And then we have the atypical opioids, which include tapentadol and tramadol, but we also know that buprenorphine can be classified as an atypical opioid. And then furthermore, we have the opioid antagonists. They're still opioids, but the opioid receptor antagonists, and they include things like naltrexone and naloxone. So that's how I think about opioids in general. But then we need to understand, you know, what are their specific actions? And and we, we can conceptualize the action of opioids, both in terms of their activity against the various opioid receptors and also other kinds of actions. 
So, Philippe, and you've, you've, you've alluded to the fact that there's more than one kind of opioid receptor. What are those opioid receptors that are, that are recognized commonly? Well, the three commonest receptors that we recognize are the mu, kappa, and, and delta opioid receptors. And I think most of the time we focus or spend most of our attention on the mu receptor because that seems to be the one that causes most of the symptoms and reactions that we as doctors are either aiming for or trying to guard against, basically. And I think one of the reasons we've spent so much time talking about opioids and opiates, Virgil, and your uh, systematic classification of them is, is very thorough and quite robust, but one of the main reasons we're, we're spending this time talking about opioids and opiates is they're very interesting medications. They're very widely used. There is an indication for them. But unfortunately, we are, like the US, in a bit of a crisis with opioid and opiate medications that are being used inappropriately. Um, and that is why we are doing this series of episodes on, on these medications and how to uh, look at how they act on the receptors and also how we can prescribe them safely and make sure that uh, we protect our patients against the harms of them. Is, is that yeah. a fair, fair statement? Uh, absolutely. I mean, when you say that there are the, the, the actions of opioids are both desirable and undesirable, and we can understand those actions in terms of their, their activity against the mu receptor predominantly. So I use the mnemonic SPEAR as a way of thinking about the acute short-term effects of, of opioids on the mu receptor. Now, um, so S is for sedation. Now, we don't want sedation, but, you know, we know that opioids cause sedation. P is for pinpoint pupils and also the physiological signs of tolerance and also down, downstream dependence. E for is, um, is for emesis. A is for analgesia. Now, that's the, the, the desired effect, but A can also be affect. So we know that opioids and certain receptors can cause uh, affective dysfunction. And that's probably not mu, but it's probably uh, kappa. But, you know, mnemonics being heuristic and imperfect, I, I, I shoehorned that one in. R is for retention, so retention of urine, retention of feces, so constipation and urinary retention. These are very common side effects of opioids. And then we have the, the kind of side effects of the other receptors or the actions on the, on the other receptors, and then we have the, the longer-term side effects. So if we look at the other receptors, we know that the delta receptor is predominantly the receptor that mediates spinal analgesia, and we also know that the kappa receptor is actually involved in spinal hyperalgesia and also dysphoria. So it's really important to understand that, that opioids, even though they're, they're uh, euphorogenic, you know, that's why opioids are fun, that's why people take opioids, that's why mis they misuse them, they can cause dysphoria, so they can make you feel miserable. Yeah? Not only is it euphoria, they can also cause dysphoria, and that's predominantly mediated by the kappa. Now, then we look at the longer-term uh, side effects of opioids. So, I mean, we know that in the long term, opioids can cause hypogonadotrophic hypogonadism, which can cause infertility, testicular atrophy, and then uh, bone demineralization and um, osteoporosis. We know that all opioids basically can cause um, a dry mouth, xerostomia, they can cause dental caries. 
We know that that opioids can cause hyperalgesia by actions on opioid, uh, by, sorry, by their actions on glial cells in the brain. So even though we're we're using opioids to treat pain, long-term treatment of uh, with opioids can cause an exacerbation of pain. Um, we also know that in, in the context of um, Sorry, in the context of methadone, we also know that methadone has got multiple actions apart from its effect on mu on the mu receptor. So we know that it's an NMDA receptor antagonist. We know that it's a reuptake inhibitor of both serotonin and noradrenaline. So we know that NMDA antagonism causes um, sedation, which is additive to the sedative effects of the mu agonism for methadone. That does not mean they can be it can be used as an antidepressant, but it certainly does mean that we need to be wary of the potential drug-drug interactions. And then, you know, methadone is also associated with Herg channel blockade, which is a cardiac potassium channel, which then, of course, predisposes to QT prolongation. And, of course, with that comes the risk of torsade de point cardiac arrest. So there are other... So, so the other atypical opioids also have effects. Would you like to talk about the, the effects of atypical opioids, such as tramadol and tapentadol? So tramadol and tapendidol, as, as you mentioned, do certainly work on those opioid receptors that we, we talk about. They also have essentially um, selective noradrenaline reuptake inhibiting effects also. So they can essentially affect mood to a tiny bit of degree. And it's thought to be a factor in them being less quote-unquote addictive, which is a bit controversial and we'll probably talk about these uh, in a bit more detail later on down down the track as well. But also going back, I think, to, to first principles and also why we're spending this time talking about opiates um, and uh, why we're going down the, these set of episodes. Opiates, are typically heroin, have been around for a while, but prescription opioids have become a bit of a problem over the last decade or last two decades in, in the Western world. And prescription drugs and prescription drug abuse is now overtaking all um, overdose deaths, uh, especially compared to I illegal drug overdose deaths in particular. And this is an area where we as medical practitioners and health practitioners can play a large role. So the hope with these set of episodes is to look at the effects of these medications, where they impact, where they should be prescribed, where they should not be prescribed or are prescribed inappropriately, and how to uh, use opioid stewardship and appropriate prescribing to, to guard against the harms. Um, and that's essentially the hope for these set of episodes. Is, isn't that right, Fergal? Absolutely. I mean, you know, something that you just said really chimes with me. You know, we, opiates have been around for a long time. I mean, I, as far as I can remember, the first ever recorded description of uh, heroin was uh, from Sumerian literature 3,000 years ago, where it's described as the, the where the poppy flower is described as whole gill, which is the, the, the joy plant, the joy flower. So really, this, since Sumerian times, we've known of the euphorogenic, the, the euphorogenic effect of opioids. And, you know, in, in, the, in the more recent context, we are in the middle of the opioid epidemic. And, you know, this started out originally with heroin. And then we started getting hooked on prescription painkillers. And now we're gradually moving from the, the prescription painkiller epidemic into the 
synthetic opioid epidemic. But, you know, as you say, the opioid epidemic is killing more people now than war. You know, the more young, fit people are dying as a result of the opioid epidemic than, than, than have died in, in wartime, which, which is a terrible statistic. And certainly within Victoria, we know that the drug overdose, prescription medication overdose actually has a greater toll than the road toll. You know, so more people are dying of this problem, or rather the problem with prescription, op prescription drugs, including opioids, than are being killed by our cars on the road. I mean, that's, I don't know of a better call to arms than that mere statistic. The prescribing, the pen is mightier than the sword. You know, more people are dying of prescription opioids, or, or rather the opioid epidemic, than die in wartime. And the pen is also in Victoria mightier than the car in terms of its death toll. So it behoves us all to be cognizant of the risks that we are exposing our patients to when we decide to sign that prescription for more painkillers. And so that's, you know, that, that's one of the things we're going to be discussing in, in due course in this series of episodes. Absolutely, Fergal. And I think this has been a, a great teaser episode for, for more things to come. So thank you once again for your company on this episode. And until next time, uh, to our viewers and listeners, bye for now. Yeah.